Fortune favours the bold. Freddie, concerning your private life. What more do you need to know? I make music. I want to give the audience a song that they can perform. What's the lyric? Ready, Freddie? Let's do it. Welcome to the Highlander Rewatch Podcast, the podcast where each and every week we talk about another facet of the Highlander universe. And this is the third part of our three-part series on Queen. Queen obviously did the soundtrack to the 1986 movie Highlander. Uh, So in our first Queen episode, we talked to comedian and podcaster Pat Francis. Got into a deep dive into each member of the band. We all shared our favorite songs from each member. That's a fair summary of the whole thing. We also got some cool insights from Pat Francis and got to hear about his awesome Rock Solid podcast, which, you know, if you liked what you heard, you should definitely go check that out. Yeah, and if you're wondering who's talking right now, I'm, I'm your rewatcher, Keith. This is Kyle. <laughs> and this is Eamon. There we go. Hey-o. Getting to that late. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it happens. It's a reveal. Yeah. So in our second part of the Spoilers. episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so in the second part of the series, we did a deep dive into the soundtrack to Highlander, which is, it's kind of an unofficial soundtrack. It was A Kind of Magic, Queen's 1986 album. So this week, we are closing things out in our Queen series, and we're going to be talking about the new movie, Bohemian Rhapsody, which just came out this week. It opened nationwide on November 1st, I believe. So it's probably in a theater near you. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully it's still in theaters (laughs) by the time you hear this. So uh, as with most of our episodes, or our most recent episodes, we're going to kick things off with something from the Highlander catalog. A queen-related thing from the catalog? It is a queen-related thing from the catalog. This week... There are actually a lot of cats in this movie, so it's a perfect time to resort to a catalog. All right, (laughs) so this week... The queen catalog. We are talking about the album... A Kind of Magic, which is sold, of course, through the catalog. So let's see how they describe it here. Uh, And then you guys are going to guess how much you think this album costs. A Kind of Magic by Queen. From the original Highlander theatrical release, they saw the rough cut of Highlander for the first time in a dingy editing room on the docks in London. Dingy? Yes, for the first time. Dingy? Probably dingy. It's probably dingy. (laughs) They they were sailors. It's dingy. (laughs) It's on the docks. (laughs) It's a dingy. It's a dingy. (laughs) Okay, well, tomato dingy. (laughs) Tomato dingy. Uh, Inspired by Russell McKay's cut, Queen went to work. The result was indeed a kind of magic. Oh, my God. Man. (laughs) This is a must-have for every Highlander or Queen fan. It includes the justifiably famous Who Wants to Live Forever. (laughs) Justifiably? That that feels a little defensive. defensive. (laughs) This totally should be famous. Lots of people agree. Yeah, people are saying this. It's not just me. Uh, so it includes the justifiably famous Who Wants to Live Forever and 10 more rousing tracks. Is it 10 more <laughs> rousing tracks? I thought there were only 10 on the album. Oh, I don't remember. How many tracks are on the, the disc? I thought I could Google it. but I don't remember either. Eh, we'll never know. Order it and discover why it's already sold over 5 million copies. That's wow. a lot of copies. Yeah. All right, Kyle's going to Google how many, how, many how many tracks are on this album. Uh, Eamon, do you have an idea, a guess, how much you think this album might cost from the Highlander catalog? What is the format? Is this a vinyl, a compact disc? This is a compact disc, uh, and this is from the 2000 catalog. No, the year 2000. The year 2000, when the show was off the air. Oh, great. (laughs) The show was off the air. So a CD in 2000, the year 2000. The year 2000. I'm going to say it's... 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Okay. Mr. Kyle, do you have a guess how much the CD would cost? And we're playing whoever gets closest. 20 bucks. I'm going to guess, because this is the Highlander catalog, I'm going to guess that they sold this bad boy for $24.99. Wow, $24.99. And Eamon guessed 20 The actual price in the Highlander catalog is $17.95. Oh, uh, all right. So Damn. this is actually an okay deal. That's an okay I guess deal. it's still kind of expensive for a CD. I, I mean, how should CDs cost in 2000? I feel like yeah. you paid 20 bucks for a CD. I, yeah, I think 20 I guess so. 20's, I don't, 
the going rate. I feel like, I guess CDs dropped in price, right? At some point they became like 13 bucks, right? Can you still buy a C- I mean, the answer is yes, yes. but like, <laughs> like all the places I'm thinking about in Philly where I would go to presumably buy a compact disc are now out of business. Yeah. Well, you can still go to the Tower Records, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> or the FYE. The secret <laughs> Tower Records slash FYE. Isn't that actually the Stephen King series, the Dark Tower? Yeah, the Is Dark that's Tower. <laughs> that's that's what he's talking about. Yeah, that's just about the Tower Records, right? Idris Elba's there. According to Wikipedia, at least, there are only nine total songs. All right. <laughs> see, but there's, like, so... Good see, job. the CD might have more tracks than the original album, because I mm-hmm. think there's a song on there called Forever, which is an instrumental version of Who Wants to Live Forever. I don't mm. think that was on the original vinyl. The 1991 Hollywood record CD includes Forever and One Vision, which gets you up to 11. Hmm. There so there's go. 11. You know, that cranks it up to 11. Yeah, that's right, it does. Well, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. It's a mystery. It's the Spinal Tap edition. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, yeah, if you buy the one from the Highlander catalog, you get you're one, one less. You're getting bang for your buck. Yeah. Really, your, your price per track really plummets. You're justifiably getting <laughs> two more tracks. That's a justifiable Andrew Jackson payment. Yeah, that's right. How are we going to justify what this episode's about? Is that a segue? It sure. is. We I might as well it. let it be a segue. It's probably not going to be justified by our content. <laughs> okay, so uh, we all just went to the movie. Just. Uh, yeah. Like, literally, we just, walked in yeah. the door a minute ago. We went to, like, what, a 9 or a 10 o'clock showing? 10 o'clock yeah, which showing. I didn't know they still did. It was, like, 6.50. It was yeah, awesome. not bad. And it was packed. It was busy. It, it was, was a big, packed. Yeah, oh, boy. Uh, so, heads up. If you are a diehard Queen fan, like I'm sure many of you are, and you want to see this movie just because you love Freddy, you, you're Un- into untainted it. Untainted by our opinions right. and spoilers. Uh, go for it. See the movie. You know, whatever. If you, but if, you know, we're not going to, I mean, there's hardly spoilers in the movie. We all right. know what happens to Freddie Mercury. What, what happens? Uh, we'll save it for a little later. <laughs> okay. But anyway, if you don't want any sort of spoilers or if you don't want to be tainted by anybody's opinion, I guess see you next time. Yeah, we've uh, been your rewatchers. Yeah, we've been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. And see you. Fuck yourself. Okay. <laughs> the rest Go of you. Fuck yourself. <laughs> the rest of you who are curious about this movie, pause, stick around. Pause it. Go see it. Leave your phone paused. Yep. And then come back. With the flashlight on. Yeah. With the flashlight on. <laughs> really drain those batteries. Also, to remind you to come back and keep listening. Mm-hmm. Or should we just record three hours of silence now? Yes. Yeah, that's probably a better use of... <laughs> All right, let's start now. Okay, so it opened November 1st, ni- 19, 2018. Uh, and so let's uh, we're going to run down the uh, the usual credits like we usually do. Yeah. Who directed this movie? Ooh, kind of. Brian Singer. Brian with a Y. Brian Singer. What do we know Brian Singer from, guys? The X-Men. The X-Men. The oh, X-Men Logan's films run. and Logan's Run. Yeah. <laughs> and Logan's Run. The, <laughs> the abandoned remake of Logan's it's Run. run. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. What else? <laughs> uh, what do we got? At Pupil. Usual, su- usual Suspects was like the big That's break. A good, That's the thing one. that was like, oh, Brian Singer is a director. Yeah. Jack the Giant Slayer? Mm. I did not see that movie. Nope. I forgot it existed. Yeah, and I remember when I found out Brian Singer directed it, I was like, huh? Yeah. Huh? Usual Suspects? Jack and the Giant? All right. Oh, and Superman. Superman Superman Returns. Returns. That's right. The spiritual successor to the Donner Superman movies. For reasons. Yeah. For for reasons. Yeah. I don't know why those things were connected in any way, shape, or form. He's also well known for his uh, 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 horrible persona on set, yeah. amongst other things. Yeah, amongst other things. Let's and well, caveat alleged, alleged, <laughs> alleged yes. things, alleged things. So, Mr. Brian Singer did not direct all of this movie. No, he directed he some of this movie. It, yeah, yeah. The weird uh, directors did. guild only allows one director to direct a movie. It's very weird why they do that. I'm sure they've got some reason for it. But Brian Singer, I'm he, sure uh, he gets a nice pay bump from that. So, Oh, for sure. So yeah, Brian Singer's had some trouble in the news, alleged, well, the new the, the trouble the, in the, the news, news is, is real. <laughs> yeah. But uh he's allegedly had some run-ins with some some younger people that mm-hmm. you should not be doing certain things with. I don't understand. Well, <laughs> You know what happened? You gotta break this down for me. <laughs> it's very, break, it down. break it down. <laughs> Actually, this is just an MC Hammer transition. But yeah, Brian Singer, probably a scumbag. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, like, kind of a hit or miss director, honestly. Oh, oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, um, he's another one that's, like, made some, like, the usual suspects is great. And then they were like, do more. And then he did some, I, I like X Men and X Men 2. Yeah. How do you feel about X Men Apocalypse? Ooh. I still haven't seen that. And it's, Kyle, you've seen Valkyrie, right? 
Yeah, I did see Valkyrie. I heard Valkyrie was good. I liked Valkyrie. He did that. Didn't like knock my socks off, but I liked it. Yeah. Hmm. So anyway, Spotty Record. Apocalypse is terrible. <laughs> it's so bad. I, I do want to kind of like bad. hate watch it. Yeah, it's it's not good. Uh, at some point, I believe Brian Singer just stopped showing up. Like it was. I remember reading about this and it was like. Well, where's said, where's like, Brian? And it's like he didn't come to work today. He had to like take care of his sick mother. Was like the reason he gave. Okay, and then they were like, "You're out." And apparently, he th- got in an argument with the star of this movie and threw some electrical equipment not at him, but just around around him. Yeah, <laughs> maybe so, they didn't know how to plug it in. Yeah, he was like, "What's with this outlet?" These cords go here. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. So they brought in another director to finish it. I'm not sure which scenes this person directed or not, but, but they Brian brought Singer in is such a distinct and unmistakable style. Yeah. How could you have missed it? <laughs> Dexter Fletcher was brought Dex in. Dex Fletch. Dex Fletch. <laughs> I have no idea who that is. Uh, he's done not a ton of stuff. Um, I believe he did Eddie the Eagle. <laughs> oh. Which looks, I guess that looked is that, good. Is it that looks like a feel good. equivalent of Heathcliff. It just makes me think of a Muppet. What's the Muppet's name? Sam. Sam uh, the Eagle. Sam the Eagle. No, Eddie mind. the Eagle was about, uh, I think it takes place at the Vancouver Olympics, and it's like a skiing movie. Oh, skiing movie. It looked movie. good. It's with Hugh Jackman. An eagle who skis? That seems improbable. That's it. Uh, but this, this guy is the guy that directed the new biopic, Rocket Man, about Elton John. Oh, uh, interesting. So kind of got a... F- Got a theme going. I guess yeah. so. Yeah, but this guy hasn't directed a ton of stuff. He's kind of newer. But he was brought in to finish it, but gets no credit. All right, let's talk about the writer of the movie. This movie was written by Anthony McCartan. Anthony McCartan. So, Eamon, what did this guy write? Uh, Anthony McCartan wrote Darkest Hour, which is the uh, Gary Oldman... Churchill movie. Churchill. I just blanked on Winston Churchill's <laughs> name. That's Who? good. The Prime Minister of England, Governor. Where? Oh boy. <laughs> He's a, a little fatty. <laughs> a little boy. Fatty. He also did The Theory of Everything with, I believe that was the Eddie Redmayne. That is uh, it. Yeah, the Redman. Uh, the Redman. Oh, what's that guy's name? Stephen Hawking. Yeah. But yeah. Jeez Louise. <laughs> That's actually just Red Man from... Oh, Not the rapper? really from the Wu-Tang Clan. Mm-hmm. Just like, Wu-Tang, just Wu-Tang. Fan. Ain't nothing to fuck with. Yeah. I hear that. He also did, yes, Death of a Superhero. There you go. Show of Hands. And the English Harem is the last movie I'll mention. There we go. Because I just like the sound of So that. did you guys see any of his other movies? Not me. I have not seen The Darkest Hour. He's written some, these are like heavy hitter Oscar movies. Yeah. I saw like, The Theory of Everything, and having seen this movie now... I was like, yeah, I can see the same guy wrote that script. Yeah, you did not care for Theory of Everything? Or? No, not really. So that, that like cleaned up Oscar season, didn't it? Or I think, yeah, I think or it was it well. just that like Eddie Redmayne cleaned up. People love that Redmayne. Yeah, I don't get I don't, it. I don't either. Eddie Redmayne oh, really? makes me uncomfortable. Huh, I thought he was good in it. I did not like the script. I uh, thought it was all over the place. So you didn't like the work of Mr. McCartan? <laughs> not my first choice to write a movie. Eddie Redmayne, did you see the Fantastic Beasts movie? I saw the first one. I guess the yeah. second one like comes out Thursday right. or something. I was just, like you said, he just made me uncomfortable. I was mm. like, is he playing this, like, I don't want to sound insulting, oh, but no. like that, like something is wrong with him? Well, I was, I was <laughs> wondering, I was like, is he, is he positing like that, autistic or that something? his character's on the spectrum? Yeah. Wow. Maybe I shouldn't uh, say wrong, but maybe I'm just an maybe asshole. Maybe it's just a strong yeah. choice. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. All right. So let's talk about who stars in this movie. Freddie Mercury is played by Rami Malek. He's the star of Mr. Robot. What do we think about Remy? I he think he crushed it. was great. He was yeah. unbelievably yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, the reason to see this movie. I was lost in his performance almost yeah. from jump. Like mm-hmm. I, when the first from line the he said, I was like, whoa. You, have you guys watched Mr. Robot? Mm-mm. I yeah. haven't either. So I've heard it's I'll good. check that out. All right. Who plays Roger Taylor? Ben Hardy. Yeah. Not he Tom was Hardy. Uh, Not Tom. in some EastEnders, but he also played Angel in X-Men Apocalypse. Holy shit. Right. How so, of course, that? Brian Singer Richard must know him from that. that. Yeah. yeah. The hair was great. <laughs> the hair was great. He doesn't get a, you know, him and John Deacon didn't get too much screen time compared to, like, Brian got a little bit more, I think, in the movie. But everybody's playing second fiddle to Freddy in this movie. Yeah, this is kind of Freddy's It's a Freddy story. Yeah. yeah. No, it's 100% a Freddy story. That, that everyone else is just a bit player. Roger Taylor gets a, an okay amount of Yeah, he fights time. with Freddy, I he's guess, like, a lot. He's like a foil for yeah. a lot, for not just for Freddy, but for the other characters. That's true. Uh, and then Brian May is played by Gwillem Lee. Gwillem Dafoe. Gwillem Dafoe. Uh, he's in the TV show Jamestown, which I've never seen. I haven't uh, seen that either. But he was also the voice of Sid in Final Fantasy XIV Heavensward. Oh, my God. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I fell off the Final Fantasy games at 10. I thought you meant 10 years old. But yeah, you mean 10 years 10, old. Right. Final Fantasy 10. 
I was like, I'm dead. <laughs> I fell off at 13. Hey, Which one's 13? 13's the one with lightning with the completely incomprehensible plot. They like, all seem to have completely incomprehensible plots to me, but... Yes. Well, that's just to you. That's just to me. <laughs> no, that's just to you. Okay. Like, all of them have some weird plot devices, but, like, I have ne- Like I feel like I woke up from a fever dream when I finished that game. It's like, I feel like I put, spent 40 hours, and I couldn't tell you a single fucking thing that happens in that game, or why anyone is doing anything. I certainly can't account for why I finished it. Also, the newest Final Fantasy game is basically just a, a Cup Noodles commercial. Interesting. Huh. I love Cup Noodles. Well, well this guy Lee. this game. It's got product placement mm. for Cup Noodles in it. This mm. guy looks like, you know when they take like the anti-aging technology for like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? This dude looks exactly like Brian May. It was yeah. freaky. Yeah, it is pretty uncanny. Yeah, he was great. And his voice, too. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, John Deacon is played by Joe Mazzello. He's been on lots of TV. He's in The Social Network, G.I. Joe, Retaliation. Which, of course, we've all sorry, seen. There's a yeah. G.I. Joe. <laughs> but there's a big big credit we'd all know him from. Yeah. Effin' Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. I don't know why I said effin' all of a sudden. This yeah. is a kid's show. Uh, but he plays uh, Little Tim. I didn't realize it until, like, halfway through the movie that it was him. And I was like, oh, holy shit. That's where I recognize him from. Every time he was, like, staring at something blankly, I was like, oh, this is Tim. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and his, his, he was great, too, I thought. He and was every really time good. you goofy felt the hair need to yell at him, but that's not... What, what I'm, I'm gonna, gonna do? <laughs> he loved this. He loved this. There was one other big star in this movie, Michael Myers. Oh yeah, the what the fuck, the star of the recent Halloween remake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's grizzly in that film. He is. He's also in Grizzly Man. So he played EMI executive Ray Foster with he a did beard. Good. He was just a, like, what a caricature of a person. I don't know. It just, it was like, also, it was like, oh, Ray he Foster. Donkey. If Ray Foster had sex with Kenny Powers and they had yeah. a baby, it would be this. <laughs> with Kenny Powers. Yeah. Why not just hire an actual English person? <laughs> yeah. Like, why role. was that yeah. Mike Myers at all? It was such a measured performance, also. Like, he wasn't over the top or anything. He played it, I feel, straight. No, on our first episode, Pat was very concerned yeah. that this would be the most ridiculous character. Right. And yeah, yeah it, was, it was better. It was measured, but it was, it was just distracting. But at least he didn't call anyone a cheeky monkey, which was what... <laughs> That's right. That's what Pat thought would happen. Uh, so here, let's read the IMDb description of this movie. Let's. It's a big one. Bohemian Rhapsody is a foot-stomping celebration of Queen, their music, and their extraordinary lead singer, Freddie Mercury. Freddie defied stereotypes and shattered convention to become one of the most beloved entertainers on the planet. The film traces the meteoric rise of the band through their iconic songs and revolutionary sound. They reach unparalleled success. But in an unexpected turn, Freddie, surrounded by darker influences, shuns Queen in pursuit of his solo career. Having suffered greatly without the collaboration of Queen, Freddie manages to reunite with his bandmates just in time for Live Aid. While bravely facing a recent AIDS diagnosis, Freddie leads the band in one of the greatest performances in the history of rock music. Queen cements a legacy that continues to inspire outsiders, dreamers, and music lovers to this day. Written by 20th Century Fox. Interesting. Interesting indeed. And the taglines... Gotta hear those taglines. Is it whoever wins, we lose? Yes. <laughs> Is fearless lives forever. Ugh. There's three. Two, the only thing more extraordinary than their music... Is his story. Oh, my God. That is not true. <laughs> and then three, the music you know, the story you don't. Oh. That one's okay. The story you don't. Interesting. What do we think of that? Is this really the story we don't know? This is, no. Yeah. Well, like, just to put it on the table, there's not much of a story there. No. I, there's, not, there's not a lot of there there. I, a couple times during the movie, was like, what's this movie about? Like, yeah. first half <laughs> It's the, like, what is this? The first half of the fucking movie, there is no conflict. Mm-mm. There's just no conflict for half the movie. It's then they do this, then they do this, yeah. then they do this, then they do this. It then also they do seemed this. like what they did was they took, they spent like maybe they got a semester's worth of credits and they took the Wikipedia article about Queen, yeah. they sent it to community college to take one class on screenwriting. Like the right. amount of weird Wikipedia information that mm-hmm. was dropped. Like there's a scene early on where Freddie is trying to get into the band because. They actually focused on, I like that Smile was in the band, which actually yeah. is something we didn't get to talk about in our earlier podcast, but they were kind of the precursor to Queen. So I thought that was cool that they were in there, but like, they're like, oh, what, what, what's up with your overbite? And he's like, well, I was born with four yeah. extra, t- I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, but, but, and everyone's always like dropping like, oh, you're an astrophysicist. Yeah. Yeah. And then dentist. they went around like, saying like trivia. what we went yeah. to school for. And then they played the name game. 
Hi, yeah. I'm Freaky Freddy. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm Bananas Brian. Bananas. Well, the weird thing is, like, the same scene kind of happened ten times or whatever, where it's like somebody has, like, the kernel of an idea for a song. And just, like, as an example, they'll be like, oh, that sounds magic. Like a kind of magic. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't actually happen, but it might as well have, like, been that. Oh, sure. And it just happens over and over. And I'm like, this isn't really how, I'm sure. No. Like, any of this happened yeah just so much weird stuff like they mentioned zoroastrian like they were just hitting you on the head with like things that they thought you should know about rather than like let it be more of a character piece i thought it's I don't know. not a character piece it's not a character piece at all even the things that you see freddie do you have no semblance of why he does any of them to highlight the first scene with uh, oh little finger is in this we did not mention oh him. yeah we did not his mention name him. escapes me yeah oh uh, yeah He's like, Aiden, he was good. Aiden Gillen. Yeah. He's fine. He's got that raspy voice that yeah, he's got a he great always voice. Use, uses, but he's like the band's first manager. You know, when they first give the explanation of who Queen is and like why he should sign them, he's like, because we're outcasts who play for other outcasts. Right? And I'm just we're like, we're a family. And <laughs> I'm, like, like, what? I'm like, you are? In the context of the movie you just met, I don't get the impression you're playing for outcasts. Mm-mm. It just kind of seems like people love you. Right. And I was just very perplexed by the this, whole thing no, just even that scene like he just walks right up to them and is like oh let's make a record more or less like there's no build up or it's just like this is what happens so it's gonna happen yeah but it's not it doesn't seem natural mm-hmm. no it's really weird it actually it reminds me a lot of these storytelling things remind me of the way he wrote the theory of everything that movie has got great scenes in it and actually i think this movie had some great scenes in it uh, but it was another thing where he, like, for Stephen Hawking, like, latched onto a couple quotes and was like, oh, maybe this is a thing. Right. And then, like, kind of writes a scene about it. And I don't know. I thought Theory of Everything was all over the place. And this had, like, a similar love story to the Theory of Everything where there's kind of this tension because he's gay, he's married. Like, and, and I was like, oh, is this, are they going to play, like, is this going to be more about his relationship with his wife? That wasn't really what the movie was about. they don't get married, right? It's just his fiance. No, I think they were married. No, they were married for... A while. Like, at least six, they lived together for six years, I think. I thought they were married. In the context of the movie, they never show them getting married. Well, it's because they just jump around from scene to scene in this right. movie. Yeah. But anyway, the theory of everything has the same, like, a same, similar sort of tension where it's like, oh, Stephen Hawking doesn't believe in God. His wife is, like, a devout Christian. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, is this really going to be more about, a, like, a personal story about the two of them? Which would have been fine. But no, it was about everything all at once. And it's like, oh, there was this interesting story thread you could have explored more. But it's just a thing. Yeah. I don't know. This movie felt similar to that. For a while, I thought it's like, oh, this is going to be like predominantly like a coming out story for Freddy. Kind of no. Like it touches on it a little bit. There's some lines that they're like, oh, it's about like knowing yourself or be who you want to be. Like that's something that seems to be throughout the movie as a theme. But I didn't like feel like it was really like strung together very well. No. Like I wouldn't say that's what the movie's about. Well, yeah, no. The movie's not about anything. No. No, like, the movie's just kind of not about anything. It doesn't have a theme, right? Like, there's no... Music? <laughs> there's not a theme holding, like, the movie together. It's not like... Like, it's not telling a, a greater story. No. Really. I don't think. I wasn't I impacted. This, or if it was, I missed it. <laughs> like, the second half of the movie seems to be about this theme that's developed of... You have to be able to to love yourself and, like, accept your past and who you are in order to reach your full potential. That, that at some point seems to be developed based on an interaction that's had with what who ultimately becomes like Freddie's lifelong partner, Jim Hutton. Like at some point that's developed. Right. And like, but then he has to like reconcile with everybody. I, don't, I assume this is not how it happened. But in the context of this movie, like he reconciles with his family and with this guy who burned him once like all the day he's supposed to go perform live aid like that morning right and yeah. i was like what the fuck is this <laughs> it's a compressed timeline sure <laughs> yeah. i guess for dramatic effect but it looks so jarring well wouldn't you wouldn't need to have these sort of compressed timelines if the movie focused on a particular story to tell right. rather than like all of this stuff at once mm-hmm. 
Like, if it just wanted to focus on his relationship with Jim, I'd be like, okay. Right. It made me think of something Quentin Tarantino said. Somebody asked Quentin Tarantino if he would want to direct, like, not a Quentin Tarantino movie, like a bio movie or mm-hmm. a comedy or a romance movie or whatever. And he said he would direct, like, a bio, but he wanted to do, like, a bio about Elvis. But it was, like, one day in Elvis's life, like, before a particular concert or something. Mm-hmm. But it was just, like, that day. Like, I thought that... Something like that could have been interesting. Yeah. Or like focusing on one thing instead of just trying to cram everything in. Yeah. And not really gleaning anything from it. One thing that really bugged me early on, well, there's a number of montages in this movie. Uh, I kind of like the one montage where there was like all these cartoon graphics of like city names. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, the, at some point they're on tour. They're doing like a world tour and like crushing it. And that montage was very funny. Cause it's just like Atlanta, but also it's like mirrored with them being like, I love you, Cincinnati. I love you, Atlanta. It's like, okay. But at the beginning of this montage, like before it even starts, they're like, Oh, our manager got us an awesome tour in America. And then it cuts and it's like Midwest USA. (laughs) And it's like, no shit. I hate when movies give you title cards. That you don't need. Like, right. it's obviously America. Because like, fo- when you see the Eiffel Tower and they're like, <laughs> it's, it's Paris, like Paris right? Yeah. 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 It was all the time. You see the Eiffel Tower, it's like, Paris. It's and then like, it's oh, like, really? no shit, it's Midwest U- USA because every scene they're like, thank you, Cincinnati. It's like, right. I wonder where that is. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, where are they now? <laughs> yeah. So there are a number of title cards that kind of bugged me. Uh, and also, like, that stuff was like highly stylized and then mm. kind of disappeared. The, the rest of the movie, I would not refer to this as a stylized movie. No. Except for these weird montages. Oh, and then there was the other montage. There was bananas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the- Sorry, that's what I thought you meant. Wait, which montage are you talking about? Oh, I got on the same page when you were talking about the initial montage where it's like atlanta and like there's these city names it's like superman style where it's like flying past the camera i thought that was kind of fun oh but there's the other montage when they record bohemian rhapsody and it's just that playing and then it puts up on the screen a bunch of all the bad quotes of bad reviews and it was like oh okay and like interesting is this gonna come back and also like the movie's named bohemian rhapsody and like you'd think like is that song gonna be a big centerpiece and it's like kind of not like they they shouldn't record it what like halfway through the movie and that's like i kind of thought that this was gonna end up being what it's about they do spend a long time of both, like, you get to see Freddie Mercury pitching the idea of, like, this operatic piece. Right. Then you see them record it, which takes a long... It's a big chunk of the movie. And then you see them defend it, like, to the record exec, to Mike Myers. Right. Who's like, well, it's only six... It's always six minutes. <laughs> like, like, And then, of course, there's, like, the line that has to be in the movie, like, this'll never be a yeah, hit. Yeah, and then yeah. they put all the quotes up about how it sucks. And it's like, oh, like, suck it, critics. Like, this is such a great song. Like, thanks, movie, for letting us know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, there was so, a lot of that, even with the in general it's like you're never gonna make it and then it's like oh they did it's like what bad wow. cheesy we're all sitting in the movie theater like <laughs> <laughs> this isn't is this a surprise to somebody i guess young people oh did they make why it? are they going I'm, to the movie in the first place yeah that's a good Great question. question marketing hey Eamon. Yes. You're a highly talented, skilled artist. Do you have anything out there that uh, showcases your dope work? Well, I do, Kyle. Funny you should ask. I it have... is funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Let's treat this as funny as it is. You can give us... <laughs> what can we get? hey You can get a set of five Highlander character magnets. Five? Are there even five characters in Highlander? <laughs> There is. I was as surprised as you. So we have our Duncan McLeod. Ooh, he's the hero. We have Amanda. Oh, she's the hero. We uh, have Joe. Not quite the hero, but all right. He's one of them. Jo- he's the great, though. I'm a watcher. We have <laughs> Mythos. Ooh, sometimes like friends, enemy. sometimes enemy. Yeah, he's a little trickster like Loki from the Avengers movies. And we recycle a character, Duncan McLeod. <laughs> but he's a flashback Scottish Duncan. Ooh, when he's like all barbarian fine. He's all barbarian up. Does he like use his rage? He does. When he like rages, does he get like plus two to attack rolls and mm-hmm. like damage sure. resistance to bludgeoning attacks or something? That's right. These are D&D 5th edition jokes. Uh, they have nothing to do with our magnets, but where can we find these edition. things? 5th edition. Yeah, you better believe there's a 5th edition. Five magnets. Yeah, right. one for each, one edition for each magnet. That's right. You can find these magnets on Etsy by searching Highlander Rewatch, or we have a store on our Facebook page. Oh, is that what happens when you push that shop now button? That is. That makes a lot of sense. That's so convenient. And these 
Five magnets are only $15 for the whole kit and caboodle. Whoa, hey man, as an artist, like if you were going somewhere and just like buying like one print, mm -hmm. how much would that cost? That would be like $15 at minimum. Oh, and you're getting five separate things and they're fully functional as magnets? That's right. That's nuts. What kind of value is that? And where do the proceeds for this whole thing go? Like surely like to build your art empire or something. This supports this very podcast oh, that you're this, listening to. This very one? Right dear now. Boy. This very one, my dear boy. That's incredible. So if I'm a huge Highlander fan and I've just been like enjoying our free content for mm -hmm. like the three years we've been doing this thing, mm -hmm. I can buy these magnets to support it? That's right. Oh, I should probably stop being a freeloader and do that. Do it. Today. Oh, so here, let me read this list. So before I went into the movie, I made a list of stuff I thought was going to be in the movie, like bingo. So we'll see if any of these check out. That's a good idea. Number one, bottle thrown against wall in an argument. Uh, I don't think close. Close. Yeah. It's very close. close. Yeah. I, I, also, I think it, at one point, doesn't Roger Taylor go to throw the coffee maker and they stop him? That's yeah. right. He so throws that's... bacon at someone. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. yeah, he bacon. bacon yeah. <laughs> Crispy so, like, bacon. This is damn close. All right. Oh, uh, one band member catches another doing drugs. We also have a kind of. Freddie's wife comes in and sees, sees there's the like the Coke, Coke on, on the, the table. table. Yeah. So it's yeah, kind of there. Kind of. But it's, I was expecting like a drug scene where somebody came in and like shook their head. Or his manager like, oh, sees man. him take the pill in the car. That's, That's right. close. It's close. Yeah. <laughs> call the manager a bloody bastard. I don't think that happened. Uh, calls the manager like a fucking snake or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He kicks him out of a, <laughs> he kicks him out of a limo. I think that counts. Oh, fire manager. That's in there. So there Absolutely. we go. Fire manager. Uh, manager throws stuff off desk. I don't think we got a lot of angry manager in this. No, the managers aren't the ones who get angry. Yeah. A dumb Eureka moment before the writing of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, like seven times. <laughs> right, like, because they introduced Bohemian Rhapsody earlier in the movie. Like, he just plays the bum, 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 yeah. bum on the piano. He's like, oh, I, th I think that could become something. And I, I was like, I just laughed out loud. It's like, <laughs> God damn it, movie. Because you thought it could never be anything. Yeah, yeah Keith, was, Keith was with Mike Myers. Yeah, he's like, this will never sell. <laughs> also, his like girlfriend is like, that's so beautiful. It's like six bum 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 bum. Like what? It's practically random notes on a piano. I mean, really, it's just the chord. So beautiful. She'd never heard music before. Right. What, uh, what else is on this list here? Oh, it ends in a freeze frame. Close. Close. Yes. So during the end credits, they played. Was it "Don't Stop Me Now"? Yes. And it, they played like a live recording of actually Freddie and Queen performing it. That ended in a freeze, freeze frame. frame. Mm -hmm. So. Cool. Yeah, close enough. So the movie itself does not end with that. Oh, and then I had two thoughts on what the montages could be. A costume montage with Freddie trying on different, like, leotards. <laughs> That's, uh, that would have been clever. And if it wasn't that, I thought maybe it would be a photo montage of them trying to come up with, like, an iconic album cover. Ah. And I was thinking it was going to be Bohemian Rhapsody cover from mm -hmm. Queen 2. Oh, well. Whoops. I mean, it had the part where the dad, like, doesn't believe in them. Yeah, of course. Like, which I rolled my eyes at all those parts. It was I spent most of the movie thinking that was never going to come back. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. There's like a conflict with the family, sort of, at the beginning. Only the father really doesn't really approve of his lifestyle. Right. I get, or not even his lifestyle. Him well, just, he like, wants to him go just out going late, out. Like, yeah, he's like, oh, I'm going out. Yeah. But then at the last minute of the movie, they meet back up for tea. The morning of live aid. So he can come yeah. out to them after he's already been publicly outed. But yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. There was also another weird thread they had there. So in the in the beginning scene, they introduced that like Zoroastrian thing. I think we talked about on the first episode, which was like good thoughts, good words, good deeds. It's mm -hmm. like three tenets of Zoroastrianism. Okay, cool. But then they like brought it back at the end and they seem to imply that's the reason Freddie wanted to do live aid was that like this is a good deed I can do. I think that's the way that was written, was to, like, tie up that, like, that story arc was about Freddy doing, like, good in the world, and he saw Live Aid as being good. I don't know. That's how I read it. I guess. It's shit. Yeah, no, because, <laughs> like, the rest of his motivation is just to kind of do it and, like, have a billion people see him do it. But odd decisions in this movie. Do you have any others on your bucket list or whatever this is? Or Oh, there was actually one on the, the second page, which the, I was, I didn't know... In the trailer and in some early criticism, people were like, oh, this movie like, doesn't show that he's gay. And people were like upset about that. Which I would say is a f not a true criticism of the movie. That was like a huge part of the movie. I guess yeah. not really just shown in the trailer. Uh, but going off of that, I was like, oh, the movie's probably never going to say he's gay. But there'll be lots of like him looking at guys. Mm. 
There was one scene of that or two. But more. Yeah. We got the truck driver scene. Yeah. Sex in the bathroom. The montage of uh, another one. Freddie like in the red room. In, yeah. In like a gay club. Mm-hmm. And the waiter that he eventually falls for, Mr. Hutton. This movie also, like, they had a villain in the movie, which was Paul. And I don't know enough Wait. about the history. Paul's the villain? The mustache boyfriend. Right. The, okay, I guess he kind of one. is the villain. I, just, like, I wasn't thinking of it in those terms. But, but I, I, I feel it. like they kind of made him a villain. Like, it's like, oh, if there was an antagonist in the movie, like, he's the real bad influence on Freddy. And I, I actually and who, don't like, know. drives other people away. And Yeah, I don't know too much about him, but I never got the impression it was quite like the movie depicted him well, i saw him as like kind of the bad guy where he's like keeping freddie for himself and yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he's kind of like breaking up now. the band yeah he like schemes and he's like he lies he turns the he and the manager want freddie to go on his own do a solo career solo career yeah. right and then he kind of double crosses the manager. He's like what what are you talking about right I never so freddie fires the manager goodbye little finger <laughs> Cuts him off by his little finger. So a couple of things I noticed. There's a number of cats in this movie. I thought the cats got a bigger emotional response than anything else in the movie. Like every time the cats were on screen, people in the audience were like, "Aw, yeah." They like, were nobody. Nobody really was singing, cute cats. dancing, stomping their feet. They, but were, they were saying cats. aw at the cats. Uh, I I felt like the, I had the biggest emotional response at the end of the movie. They tie things up entirely too neatly at the end of this movie. It begins right before Live Aid. Then you kind of flash back and move back forward until you get there. And then they just play the concert. Like, they just reshot the, it's like entire, the entire concert. The entire performance. And I think they intentionally, at some point, they were like, you get 20 minutes just like every other band. And I'm very curious if you timed it. Like, 20 minutes of this movie is just dedicated to the recreation of a thing that's been filmed already. That's been yeah. filmed. And, like, it's kind of awesome. It is. it's been filmed. Right. Yeah, you know what's really awesome? The real Rich, thing. Yeah. The real <laughs> also, can we talk about how the crowd and shit looked in it? Sometimes I thought it looked great, and other times I was like, what? Yeah, like, it was like a CG crowd. Giant yeah. CG crowd that looked yeah. real sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the orcs are about to right. crash Helm's Deep. Or the bunch of spawns at the end <laughs> of <laughs> the spawn <laughs> movie. Well, I, I thought it was real weird when Freddie Mercury tried killing them all with those chains he shoots yeah. out. But <laughs> and his cape. <laughs> and his cape, yeah. All the Malbolgia. Malbolge. Oh, I guess Malbolgia really was the villain of this yeah. movie. He yeah. was the true villain. So another interesting thing. So they start... I didn't realize they were going to get into the AIDS stuff either. Mm. I mean, so this goes... The movie's trajectory. I mean, it starts off when he's like a kid through college, you know, through early years of the band. They tour, gets married. They end up, you know, like they're rich and famous at this point, right? Uh, and then I guess, yeah, they kind of break up for a bit. He figures out, finds out, he didn't figure it out, that he has AIDS. Oh, how about that weird scene in the doctor's office when he's leaving? And a patient with lesions on their face goes, oh my God. hey and it, and he like it's so dramatic. I did not think that scene worked. Oh, because uh, it Because yeah. it's a shit, <laughs> shit scene. I like. I was like nervous though. I was like, uh oh. <laughs> like I was. This is bad. <laughs> it was bad. It was not good. So at one point they're in the recording booth. I guess this is when Freddie's doing a solo album, and he coughs into like a napkin, and there's blood. Mm. A woman sitting behind me <laughs> goes, "Oh my god, he has cancer." I heard that too. <laughs> I was like, what? I wanted to be like, get an education, miss. So maybe we were right to give people the spoiler warning on this podcast. No some, spoilers. It's like, did people go into this thinking he wasn't <laughs> gay? Yeah. He didn't die of AIDS. So then, of course, the movie does have like a post-credit, not post-credit, post-film thing. And it's like, oh, Freddie died of AIDS. It's like, uh-huh. They talked about them forming their manager formed a charity, I mm -hmm. guess. What else does the, the post-credit scene say? Anything much? Just that, you know, he was lifelong friends with his wife or fiance. Yeah. Which, like, duh. <laughs> right. <laughs> we knew that. And then he finished life out with um, Paul. Right. Or not Paul. Or not Paul. Jim. Jim, Jim. Jim Hutton. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That was about it, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, and that Bohemian Rhapsody was then re-released again after Live Aid. And, and went to number one. Went to number one. Right. Although it did say it went to number... I, I was... It says went to number one a second time, I thought yeah. it said. I don't think it ever went to number one, although it might have gone to one in the UK. But mm. I don't think it ever went to number one in the US. So I think that was what was significant, is that all those years later, then it went to number one yeah. here. I don't know. Interesting. It was... Uh, I was thinking about this while watching it. I think the Live Aid portion is awesome. They really do re recreate it. The thing I noticed most is like on the piano, like 
they have the same amount of like Pepsi cups and other cups. And beers. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that's really cool. And like the piece of paper, that kind of stuff I really like. And like his performance as Freddie, well, all of their performances, but his especially is just like masterful and yeah. amazing. But then I was like, is there value to this though? Because as you both said, this has been filmed already. You can watch the real version. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, part like, of me I appreciated mean, like, being like on stage and with a crowd, I guess. But at the same time, like even the Live Aid thing is on stage. Like there's cameras on, on stage, stage there. Yeah. Like it's not a poorly produced concert. No, by no stretch. It's not like the only footage of the concert is like far away, and it's like oh, this lets you like be part of the action. It's like no, you can kind of be part of the action on the original live feed of it. Yeah, that's the thing that irked me about it. Because even while I did have like some emotional response to it and was like getting into it. Why is this what you're spending the real estate of the film doing? And it's a long fucking movie. Yeah. It's yeah. a long, it's not Two and short. a half hours. Also, that's the best part of the movie. Yeah. The best part of the movie is I saw unoriginal the, content. Yeah. I saw the best part of the movie three weeks ago on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, in some weird way, much like Superman returns, actually, like it just acts as like a weird love letter to mm-hmm. a person. Like, it seems like we love Freddy so much, we just want to show him. Like, th- it didn't add a new story. Like, I, like the ta- weird tagline, like, you know the music, you don't know the story. And it's like, I would be fine if this story had more embellishments that got me to see something, like, or feel something. Yeah. Or, yeah, like, or to examine, like, a deeper truth. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like, for instance, one of my favorite music movies, which is not like a pop music movie, but Amadeus. That's a great movie. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. All that shit in that movie is not true, really. I mean, yeah. like, historically, that's not what happened. But, like, the author of the play took those characters and ideas and created a story that would, in some ways, like, I've heard uh, the director Yodorowsky refers to, like, twisting fiction so much that it gives you, like, a universal truth. Does that make sense? Like yeah. the the movie Amadeus is not necessarily about the factual things that happened to Salieri and Mozart. It's about like the human condition and like what does it mean to be jealous of someone else and like people have gifts beyond your wildest imagination. Like it's getting at something very different and it's they're using those characters to get to like some sort of higher meaning out of it. And I feel like this movie needed to do that. Like I kind of wouldn't care if the story was a little bit more fabricated. But, like, give me something, like, about... Like, I think I know more about Freddie Mercury just from watching concert footage and interviews. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. This didn't give me some other side of Freddie that made me think about him differently or circumstances differently or even my own life differently. I knew just as much about him from reading a Wikipedia article. Yeah. This didn't yeah, provide exactly. me with any, like, awesome new insight or anything. It was, like, it was filmed nicely, it wasn't imaginative cinematography, really, but it looked nice. Mm. And I kind of liked the sequences of them trying to record Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, yeah, that was That was, was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, there's some really good scenes in the movie. Right. That are really well acted. It's like, okay, cool. The cast is, for the most part, really great. Mm-hmm. Just kind of... <laughs> shitty script. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really shitty script. I wrote this down towards the end of the movie. Did anyone get a male gaze vibe from this movie? And I was like, huh, interesting that this movie, I, I felt, like I said, it seems like it's just a love letter to Freddy. I don't know. Normally when I think of like the male gaze, I think of them like cheapening something to appease essentially a male audience. I think about the images of Black Widow on the Avengers poster mm-hmm. <laughs> where everyone's facing forward and she's wearing a skin tight bodysuit and facing back. Like, I don't know that there are equivalents to that in this or like moments I would readily identify as being like, what the fuck is this? Like, or like those lingering shots that those mo- like movies that have those kinds of problems always seem to have of like, and now her butt. <laughs> See, but this is not her butt. It's his butt. No, I'm just trying to think of shots. I think there was a lot of butt in this movie. <laughs> there is a lot of butts in this movie. Yeah. Well, you can't get around that. No, I don't know. I, yeah. I got just this vibe that like that it was like longing after like the mm-hmm. movie itself shows Freddie in this like very loving longing. I don't know. Sexual. It is like the, the. But it's not. Oh, it's not. It's not sexual. Like too. It's not too sexual. I don't know. I didn't get like a sexual vibe necessarily. Is it still male gazy if it's not sexual? I don't know. Yeah, that's how, like I do. Like I think it is like focused on him as like focuses on his eyes and his face a lot. Yeah. And it's, like lingering shots on on his. Be like him, just like his looking at something. Yeah. yeah. 
And, and to that, I can agree. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they were kind of maybe going for that. Yeah. I don't know. Just a thing I noticed. Yeah. I feel like in the context of this movie, I feel like I identified like four main conflicts that are kind of in it. There's like his relationship with his family. There's his sexuality slash his relationship with his fiance. Then there's like the creative differences between the band. And then there's getting people to accept the ultimate work product. So then there's like the conflict with like the managers and Mike Myers. And I feel like they just did a little bit of all of them, but none of them are what the movie is about. Like that was the thing that was so odd. Well, none of them is like like a meaty, satisfying bite. Mm. The the movie doesn't really, to me, provide that. Yeah. Like at the end, you're not like, ah, oh, yes, you know, Freddie, he did it, or Queen, they did it. I mean, the concert is kind of that, but it's there's nothing. There's not like a there's not like a moment, like a movie moment, that I can really put my finger on like that. No, yeah. or a movie moment you'll like tell people about later. And it's yeah. Like, Aha. Yeah. Like the moment of supreme catharsis. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't I know. mean, there's like the moment where he tells the bandmates he has AIDS. Like every moment just kind of goes by. Like those right. are mo- those are moments that you think the entire movie might lead up to that point. Like I think you could like that's what you're saying about the I think the movie moment. Like I think there's a bunch of things in the movie you could be like that's the end of the movie or like that's the thing that everything goes around like telling the bandmates that he has AIDS or recording bohemian rap like it could have been about anything in this movie but instead it's about nothing yeah even the 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 scenes during the movie like the scenes just kind of plop along and it's like sometimes i was just jarred i'm like that's the part that's like in this i wish i could think of a specific one i can't right now i like the scene where they're discussing i'm in love with my car that was really funny. That was yeah, great. That was they're funny. like, what a weird fucking song. And, and they're, they're making all these weird and they're jokes. Just burning him. Yeah. Oh, your grease gun. What's that about? Yeah. <laughs> and that's when he throws the bacon. That's yeah. right. That's when he throws the bacon. So, guys, well, why don't we play a little game to wrap things up here? Queen trivia. And so I'm just going to ask each cleaned. of you a question. And then uh, there you go. Eamon, you're up first. What is the name of Brian May's guitar? The red, uh, fuck, special? That's correct. Oh, cool. And so you get two points for every question you get right, and you can steal for one point if they get it wrong. Does that work? Murdered. It's just not the red rocket. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle, what is Freddy's real name? Uh, Farouk. I'll give you Farouk. Okay. That's enough. All right. Two points. Good job. All right. Farouk what? Bulsara. Bulsara. Bulsara, yes. I, I could not remember. That was another that. thing in the movie. Like, just little bits of racism thrown in every <laughs> once in a while. So you remembered, ah, Freddy's not, like, white or whatever. Yeah. yeah. The amount of times he gets called a packy. Yeah. In this That's a lot. It's, yeah. a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. All right. Which song gave Queen their first U.S. number one, Eamon? Bohemian Rhapsody, We Will Rock You, or Crazy Little Thing Called Love? Ooh, crap. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. That is incorrect. We Don't. just discussed how that did <laughs> oh, go right. number yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Whoops. for the steal. Uh, what were my options again? Bohemian Rhapsody. We will rock you. And crazy little thing called love. Uh, we will rock you. That is also incorrect. It's crazy little crazy thing little thing called love in Damn. February 1980. That's wow. Number one on the U.S. charts. Hmm. So nobody gets any points. Two to two. Kyle, how did John Deacon's name appear on Queen's first album? Deacon John? That's correct. Who? Yeah. He thought hey. it would make him sound more interesting. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> also, I think there's actually another guitar player called Deacon John. <laughs> really? Yes. Eamon, what song was written in the car after the band previewed some of the Highlander movie? Shit. Oh, we just boy. talked about this. Um, there's only 10 tracks. I mean, 11 tracks. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 12, maybe? Is it Who Wants to Live Forever? That's correct. Thank so. you. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Kyle, this video has kid versions of Queen members performing on stage. What's the name of the song, or what's the video? Oh, crap. It's creepy. It should not be involved children. Uh, Somebody to love? No, that is incorrect. It is the miracle. Oh. Oh, and I didn't let you steal it. Oh, well, I didn't know it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I love that video. Eamon, what year did Freddie die? Crap. Uh, 1986? 92. 92? My notes say 90. Oh, I don't know. I thought the movie said 91, and I remember thinking, I think my notes have 1990. 
Let's Google this again. <laughs> and I also did not let you steal. So now we're even on no, the stealing. No, I jumped in and said it so that you could let me steal. Illegal steal. How's it illegal? You weren't going to get a steal, so now you lose a point. All right. Everyone's Googling. I have 11 91. What's the date? 24th of November. Okay, so I somehow wrote the wrong year down. Well, everybody loses on that one. Whose turn is it? Kyle's. Correct. <laughs> All right, it's four to four still. Four to four. Kyle, in what country was Freddie born? Uh, India. And for a steal. Uh, uh, fuck. Uh, I don't remember. England? <laughs> Zanzibar. Zanzibar. Crap. All right, so nobody gets points for that one either. Four to four, and it's November 4th. That's mm. true. Eamon, which album is Bohemian Rhapsody on? God damn it. Uh, a Night at the Opera. That is correct. hey Kyle, what was the follow-up album to Night at the Opera? A Day at the Races. That is correct. Nice. So you guys are both tied up. It is six to six. Oh. So bonus question. You just say it when you know it. Bohemian Rhapsody is on a night at the opera. The follow-up album was The Day at the Races. These two album titles are references to what famous comedian's movie? Marx Brothers. Correct. Ah, shit. Hey-o. Marx Brothers. Eamon wins. Nice job, Eamon. I win. It was a close game, Kyle. Oh, we're shaking, we're go. shaking hands. Shaking on Friends will be friends. <laughs> He's like giving me the Joker buzz. <laughs> I'm of a mind to make some mookie, mookie. Love that Joker. Love that Joker. Smilex. He's been using brand X. <laughs> Gonna need a long lens. No. It's an odd one from that movie. <laughs> So do we want to give some final thoughts and wrap it up? Yeah, yeah, I think we've said most of what we have to say about this bad boy. Like, I liked this movie, oddly enough. Like, I, I wasn't, like, checking my watch. I watched it, and I enjoyed it. I feel like if you like Queen, you should probably see this movie for Mr. Malik's performance. Yeah, I think it's worth it just for him alone. Yeah. But yeah. that's... But that's what you're seeing. You're seeing like that was an Oscar-worthy performance. Yeah, you're seeing yeah. an excellent performance of a kind of outrageous figure, and you get to just watch it, and it's over. Don't expect more than that. In that respect, like this is like a worse version of Ray. I did not care for that movie. That was a movie I felt like really tried almost too hard to like have like a theme and like a consistent mood like imposed upon it, and it didn't quite land for me. But Jamie Fox like crushes it and this almost had the opposite problem it's like diffuse there isn't a lot of narrative structure to it there is no movie moment but you you again get to see kind of like an earth-shaking performance about an interesting person hmm. so i have two things to say one i even took a note in the bathroom at the movie theater Ooh. so i want to mention this really bad <laughs> no when I was in the bathroom, there your was a guy. In your teeth. There was a guy struggling with his pants, <laughs> and he said, "I can't stand these pants. You can never get your dick out." <laughs> he said this out loud in the bathroom. Wow! So I, when I left, I wrote that down. That Very was good. good. Uh, That's also my favorite Queen lyrics. Yeah, <laughs> you can never get your dick out. I would not recommend this movie. Oh, I to even watch for one time. Watch it on Netflix mm. for sh- fine. Oh, watch it on Netflix for sure. For sure. I don't know that you need to go out and see this. But if you are in it to win, Remy, it. yeah, Remy Malek did a great job recreating Freddie Mercury. But like all the stuff he recreated, I can go and watch myself and honestly watch Freddie Mercury do it better because he's Freddie Mercury. Right. Like it's all the in between scenes I'd, I want in a movie like this. Like give me a taste of some of the concert stuff, but like. It's his home life and relationship and stuff with the band. Like, that's what I want to see. Anyway, I would say if you're just in it to be like, I want to, like, witness Freddie Mercury, I would say get some people together, get some drinks, and just watch Live at Wembley. It's a three-hour concert, and it's awesome. And I think you'll come away appreciating Freddie Mercury more. I'm moved more by his music and watching him perform and even just seeing interviews with him because he's a compelling figure all the time than I did out of this movie. Absolutely. Yeah. I buy it. Convinced. Well, it's got 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, is that fresh? I think that's still fresh. That's good. Wow, what's the metric? Is it over 50%? I think it has to be 60. Oh, okay, 60s. I think that's what it is. I could be wrong, though. But, I mean, I I agree with you, Eamon. It's not like... I didn't hate it, really. No. It's It's not enough there there to hate it. It's a a movie. That's worse. I would have rather had them make a bunch of strong choices and, like, come away like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Than, you know, bleh. Yeah. Yeah. The weird recreating of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. They recreate the I Want to Break Free video, which was cool. 
Right. But I've seen the. I, yeah, I want to break it. Yeah. yeah, and they just hint it like, oh, it was uh, it was Roger's idea. We we dress up. It's like show me that scene, not the scene in the movie. You know what right. I mean? Like I don't want to see the thing that they've already filmed. I want to hear the discussion about how they got to that point. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. <laughs> did you think? I, I don't know. Not to belabor it. What did you think about the handling of? homosexuality in the movie do you think i'm not sure of this myself do you think they painted it in a weird negative light it feels weird because like the homosexual quote-unquote lifestyle is what like leads him kind of away from the band like it seems like that's the dark time in his life it, it the fact that like the first person who overtly treats him like he's gay is Paul right. who ends up being the villain of the movie the stabilizing influence and like the person who kind of ultimately gets his head back on straight is his fucking fiance slash wife right. Uh, right you know I think they if it weren't for the fact that like the Jim Hutton character yeah. gets reintroduced and mm-hmm. you get more of a like this quick positive taste at the end. Right. Like in some ways it is kind of negative. Like the portrayal is somewhat negative. You're right. Cause it's like, once he starts indulging that, that's when he goes off the rails yeah. in the context of this movie. And that, that doesn't seem like the point. Right. And it's only, yeah, like you said, brought back very quickly at the end that, Oh, like and then he like can have sh- a quote unquote normal relationship with like a loving guy, like not the asshole Paul in the movie. Yeah. And like, it almost seems to get away from, one of the quick themes that's developed in the movie of like, you know, be you like, don't be afraid to be an outcast, like do your thing. But then this is still kind of depicted somewhat negatively. I don't know. When he sees the truck driver and he's like considering, huh, maybe I should go in the bathroom with this truck driver. Like that scene is like, he's lying to his fiance on the phone and he's like, looks ashamed of himself. Then when he comes out to her, it's like, a hard scene and she's like looking away from him and and then the scene in the the club it's all like it looks evil it's like red and like yeah trancy that's weird yeah i don't know if that's and again like i think this is an not. interesting storyline for the the movie like that he can't come to terms with stuff himself like when he comes out to his wife he first is like i'm bi mm-hmm. like he doesn't even like go all the way and she's like you're gay right. uh like she knows the truth but he still can't admit it. And so there's all that, like, I never followed that thread that he was having trouble admitting it to himself necessarily. Like, was there a big moment where he figured it all out? I don't know. There isn't, there isn't a moment that, that, that it hangs around. Mm -hmm. It's just that he's drifting away from his wife because he's gay. Right. And then eventually he tells her, right. Sort of kind of a little bit. Yeah. But like, even after he rejects, Paul initially he's like no 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 you don't know everything about me like you only see what I want you to see like you only see this part of me I kept on waiting for there to be like because I don't know that much about Freddie Mercury's personal life it's like oh is he actually bi like was he actually attracted to his fiance or is it just more complicated than whatever label it is that you care to put on it and like you can have a lot of different kinds of romantic relationships with people and like maybe let's explore that instead it's I don't know, but I agree that there's something something didn't sit right about the way they portrayed it. I don't want to go quite so far as to say it was a negative portrayal, but it's like the fact that it's that close to being a negative portrayal is yeah, odd. It is odd. So that's Bohemian Rhapsody. If you want to see it, <laughs> I, I guess go for it. Who cares yeah. what you do? It's you it's, do you. It's, yeah, Be you. you. Do, yeah. <laughs> that's one of the themes that's sort of in this movie. Yeah. So, do what you want. It doesn't affect us. Very good. So, join us next week when we're going to be hopping back into our regularly scheduled episode, Sacklin Highlander the Series. If you like what you Highlander? Oh, wait. Hold on. Wait. Before we do that, can we talk also? There were some Highlander songs in the movie. Oh, Oh, yeah, there were. So, Hammer to Fall was Mm -hmm. featured. uh, Yes, it's also part of the Live Aid concert. Right. So, that gets a. You know, essentially a full performance. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. And it rocks. Uh, but then they also did throw in Who, Who wants, wants to Live Forever. Is the AIDS theme. The yeah. AIDS, correct. The AIDS theme. But also, like, I was thinking, I don't think that song was written yet. No. But also, in a movie like this, how can you not put that song in right. there? Yeah. yeah. A little on the nose. <laughs> it is a little on the nose. It's another thing that's like a little bit cheesy. It's like a get why it fits. But That's another weird thing about this movie. It's like Queen is Queen, so their songs have been in lots and lots of movies. But this is a movie about Queen, so you have to put their songs in the movie. But I'm like, oh, this is kind of cliche now, because some of these songs have been used in movies so much yeah maybe it would have been good if they didn't put the the hits in there yeah well you know i guess they couldn't do this movie with b-sides 
but why not? Right. Like, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure also they probably had so much access to like original Did, recordings, like some cool rehearsal footage would have been cool. Yeah. What if they had done instead of that old dead, instead yeah. of who wants to live forever, give yeah. someone like a song people don't know that fucking nails it. Yeah. Sad. That would have been, that would have been cool. Yeah. So anyway, so there's some Highlander stuff in there too. Unfortunately, no information really about Highlander, no Flash Gordon. Oh yeah. yeah they don't no do, Flash they don't Gordon such either. on Flash Gordon. Huh. Big movie. Big old movie. A big old movie. Think there'll be a sequel, guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> Can you imagine if they tried to make a sequel to like a biopic like this? It'd be amazing. Did I ever tell you guys about I wanted to make a sequel to uh, the Sully movie where he goes back in time and like lands the Titanic? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> in the Hindenburg. He steers it all the way to New York. Yeah. <laughs> That's my sequel for a biopic. Nobody steal that. All right. There we go. <laughs> you heard it here first. All right. Well, join us next week uh, for another episode of the Highlander Rewatch Podcast. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Bye. Bye. Welcome to... Is this recording? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Highland...